How many have uh, gone through some pretty deep valleys in their life? Anybody? Yeah. <laughs> well, that was unanimous. That was easy. That was excellent. How many want to be uh, so brave as to say, I'm going, I'm going through some valleys right now? Going through some right now. Amen. You know, God's economy is not like our economy, is it? And the way God addresses things in our life and to address, to fix things in our life isn't normally what we would expect. And a lot of times, if you look at it, it looks diametrically opposed and upside down and opposite of what the world does and what the world thinks and the, and the advice that you would get from the world. And, you know, I want to talk tonight about essential oil. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. But have you ever thought about essential oil? You see that stuff? Oh, I hope I don't. I'm, I'm probably quenching the spirit right now. And, uh, but there's people out there, you know, there's witch doctors out there, and they have all of this stuff. And they do everything from making your headache go away, away to making teeth grow back. It's awesome stuff. It really is. And um, some of these oils, though, let me tell you something. They are big bucks. They're a lot of money, right? And... Uh, and so you think about it, it's like, what makes one oil have more value than another oil? And uh, ultimately, I guess the value of oil, or any, anything on the market for that matter, is determined by a couple things, all right? Number one, three things. Number one, it is determined by the access to the plant that you're going to extract the oil from. Now, you didn't know I was such an expert on essential oils, right, uh, Mrs. Davidson? I really am. Ever, ever since that time, you put that, made me put that basil on my tongue for whatever that was for oregano that's what it was I have not been right ever since oh and uh and I, I don't know what it cost this was a long time ago you know and uh, we just met you you're like wonderful glad you've moved here it's great to meet you and it's like ah on my tongue and you said you'll feel better and I I did it was so terrible I forgot all about the other stuff going on in my body so and uh but what it gives the oil value is access to the plant, right? How, how accessible it is, right? How easy it is to extract. The process to get the oil out, that adds to, adds to, the, to the value and the, and the extent as well. I, I understand the, the, uh, the, the process of getting oil out of an olive. I get that. I have not yet been able to figure out how to get oil out of an emu. But there is emu oil out there. And if anybody knows how that happens, you know, I don't know if it goes through a press, through a grind. I don't know what they do. Do you know? Emu oil, I don't know, right? But I'm just, it's supply and demand, right? Supply and demand sets the value, the value of something. And let me give you a case in point. Olive oil is pretty high in demand, but it's easy to make, right? It's easy to make. You can grow olives, they grow them all over the world. And uh, you, can, you can make your own olive oil. And, and uh, so a lot of times because the supply is high, you know, the demand is high, but the supply is high. So, hey, it's, it's not too bad to get olive oil. But did you know there is an olive oil that is more expensive by a lot? You didn't know you were going to learn about oil tonight, did you? Right. There's a thing, I had to write it down here. Lambda Olive Oil by Spiron Company in Greece. I probably mispronounced all of it, all right? They grow the Koroniki olive. I probably mispronounced that. They're hand-picked. They're cold-pressed as opposed to heat. And, and then it's hand-bottled. And I guess that means whatever, you know. So, here's what you want to know, right, Alan? What's this stuff cost? You're going to be interested in this, I know. He's going to go out and buy some. A 16-ounce bottle of this olive oil is 54 bucks. <laughs> but you can go to Sam's 
<laughs> right? And get almost a gallon of, of, of the member's mark for $19.98. That's pretty, do you know if you bought the same equivalent of the Sam's, all right, it, it's, it's like three quarters of a gallon to be precise. If you'd buy that much in the Korniki olive oil, it would cost you $324, right? Sam's, 1998, Spirion, 325, you know, that's, it's, it's incredible, right? So what about essential oils? Trust me, I'm gonna get somewhere, I gotta hurry up here. But this was so fascinating, I like me and Jim like really useless information, don't we? And uh, the most expensive essential oil is called Champaka Absolute. A milliliter of this stuff will cost you 80 bucks. I don't know what it does. I didn't care once I saw that, right? If you would buy this in the Sam's Club quantity, you'd spend 24 grand. Right? That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. So, but we know this. We know that oils and ointments have been used uh, since the beginning of time. Genesis 28, 18, Jacob poured oil over the rock uh, that he used to make an altar. In Exodus chapter 30 and verse 25, it mentions the ointment compound uh, after the art of the apothecary. So we've been mixing things up for a long time. We've been making oils and potions and tinctures and all of these things for a long time. And uh, the, I found this out. The, the global market for essential oils in 2022, the global market reached $11.2 billion. Why? People are wanting to be made better. They're wanting to be healthy. They're wanting to fix ailments. They're wanting to do things that make their life better. They have a great value. They really do. They have a great value. But in our text tonight, Solomon is going to give us a list of things that he says are better. Better. Right. And it's going to surprise you on the surface when we read this list. Brother Jim already read the text to us tonight. And once you understand it's from God's point of view, you're going to see, you'll really see how valuable uh, life can, you're, you're, you can see how valuable your life can be to God, but there's a process that God goes through to get us there. There's a process, like the crushing of the grape, like the pressing of the, the olive, like the, whatever they do to the emu. There's a process, all right? There's a process to get us there. Notice what he says in verse 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 1. I think that's where we are tonight, yes. A good name is better than precious ointment, there it is, and the day of death than the day of one's birth. If you were to have a choice tonight between $10 million or a stellar, trusted, good name, what would you choose? Now, I know if you're smart, you're going to say both. <laughs> I want a good name and $10 bucks. But that's not what I'm asking. The, the, you, it's either or. You either are going to get a good name or $10 million. I want you to seriously think about that. Which one would you choose? You know what you should say, right? You should say, well, bless God, I want a good name, right? But your heart's going, no, buddy, you want $10 bucks, right? <laughs> you know you do. And, uh, but what if you had a very valuable oil to sell? But nobody trusted you. the name would be worth more than the money. Yeah. So Solomon is saying here, one thing, there is one thing that is better than a good name, right? There's, there's something that is better than ointment. There is something, uh, there is one thing that is better, which is better is a good name, which is better than ointment, right? 
No, I want you to notice a word in this verse here. It's the word better. Actually, you'll see it through the whole chapter. It's a theme here. You'll see it over and over, the word better. A good name is better than precious ointment. Look at the rest of the verse. And the day of death than the day of one's birth. So on the outset, it'd be pretty easy to view this statement through the lens of Solomon's failed life, right? The day of death is better than the day of one's birth. Some people, they, it, it's so sad, they just totally make such a misery out of their life. They're just looking for the day of their death. Some people, their life is so, uh, so messed up and they've, they've just destroyed it to such a level that they even take their own life. But, but re, re, remember this phrase in Ecclesiastes, the phrase that appears 27 times in 12 chapters, under the sun. So Ecclesiastes here is written, from I say it this way, from a man looking at life, right, under the sun, he's looking at life through backslidden eyes, right? So what is he saying here that death is better than the day of one's birth? We've already noticed here the entire tenor of Ecclesiastes is gloom and despair. But this verse isn't necessarily speaking of the despair of death Watch this. Solomon is talking about something that is better than something else. One thing is better than this. This is better than that, right? And we can do this through life, right? Right? Ford is better than Hugo. That's an easy one. I think I didn't want to create division. I think we could all agree on that one, okay? Um, Hugo is a car made in Yugoslavia. It didn't go over well. But anyway, and some people bought them. Anybody own a Hugo before I say anything really bad? Okay. So, did somebody own a Hugo? I thought I saw a hand go up. Okay, never mind. How about, how about a, a, an opal? Yeah, that, or a gremlin. Okay, that might have been closer to Did you have a gremlin? Who did? Oh, Brother Shaq. All right. Yeah, a Ford is better than a gremlin. How's that? <laughs> there are things that are better, right? Back and forth. There are things that are better. Listen to these verses, right? And tell me if it sounds like the abundant and over a life of overflowing of overflowing joy. Listen to, go back to chapter 1, look at verse 16 and 17. Listen, to, these are Solomon's words. I commune with my own heart, saying, Lo, I am come to great estate, and I've gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge, and I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and follow, and I perceived that this also is vexation of spirit. It killed his spirit. Look at chapter 2, 17 and 18. He says, therefore, I hated life. Wow. Therefore, I hated life because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Look at chapter four verses. Uh, well, look at verse 18 here. Don't go on. I missed one. Yea, I hated my labor, which I had taken under the sun because I should leave it unto another man that shall be after me. Look at chapter four, chapter four and verse one and two. So I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun and behold the tears of such as were oppressed and they had no comforter and on the side of their oppressors, there was power, but they had no comforter. Wherefore I praise the dead, which are already dead more than the living which are yet alive right there is some gloom and doom in the book of ecclesiastes absolutely but this verse in our text here tonight is not necessarily speaking about despair and death watch solomon is talking about things that are better so watch why is death better than earth than birth 
Why is death better than birth? Well, as we look further into the chapter, the rest of the chapter, I think, is going to define verse 1. Notice what is better in the next few verses. In verse 2, the house of mourning is better than the house of feasting. See that? It is better to go to the house of mourning, verse 2, than go to the house of feasting. For that is the end of all men, and the living will lay it to his heart. Look at verse 3. Sorrow is better than laughter. Rebuke is better than the song of fools, in verse 5. Oppression is better than than a gift, verse 7. And verse 8, the end is better than the beginning. So if you notice here tonight, Solomon is dealing with things that are better. Okay. But better for what? What are they better for? Look, look, look at verse 1 again. See, see this again? A good name is better than precious ointment in the day of death than the day of one's birth. You see, a good name is built through character. Good character is taught through sometimes hardship. And it seems to me the list, the rest of the list here that Solomon gives is a recipe for a good name and a respected name. It's a, it's a recipe. So what's going on with the ingredients that Solomon is using here? Well, I think what you see here is a refining process. If you're going to have a good name which is more valuable than precious ointment, you're going to go through a refining process like oil does. You're going to be crushed. You're going to be pressed. It doesn't feel good. But it's all in the plan. You know how olive oil is refined. I, I, I wrote it down here. Olive oil is made first by crushing wash, washed olives into a paste. The paste is then macerated. And then they, they, they put a liquid in that draws out all of the oil and the water. And then it's run through a centrifuge and it's all separated. And then the oil comes out and uh, separates from everything else. I want, you to, I want you to remember two truths regarding the finding, refining process. Listen to these two truths. Number one, the refining process is looking to get the greatest potential value. And foregoing the refining process is to settle for its current value, which is always less than its potential. Can I tell you tonight, God never settles for your current value. God never, hey, false prophets will get you to believe that God will settle for, for the current value of what, what your current value is. The, the false prophets out there will get you to, to tell you, you know, you've heard it said, well, come as you are, no need for change, right? Just live like you want to live. Don't worry about your entertainment. Don't worry about your appearance. Don't worry about what you eat or drink. Don't worry about shacking up in fornication. Don't worry about adultery. It's not a big thing anymore. You just come and you just, hey, you just live how you want to live. All right? Oh, come on, stop. Those things are just preference. They're just preference, right? I tell you, I think the Bible is pretty, pretty, uh, pretty replete with the examples 
that anything that is a product of our fallen and sinful flesh, God wants refined out of our life. Why? Because we have a lot more potential than if he would just leave us where we are. You want some verses for it? I can't just throw out statements like that without a verse, right? <laughs> 2 Corinthians six seventeen, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, touch not the unclean thing, and I'll receive you unto myself. Galatians chapter 5, you could go and look at verses 19 through 25. What we get, we get all of the works of the flesh, and they're, and they, and they're lined up uh, against the, the work and the indwelling of the Spirit of God. The works of the flesh, which should not be in our life. The works of the flesh, which are, which are a product, which is a natural byproduct of those that are not in the kingdom of God, right? In Zechariah 13, 9, listen to this. He says that I will bring the third part, speaking of Israel, and speaking of a, I love this, speaking of a future place of Israel. And I will bring the third part through the fire, and it will refine them as silver is refined, and I will try them as gold is refined. Speaking of Israel, they shall call on my name, and I will hear them. I will say, it is my people, and they shall say, the Lord is my God. God is going to bring Israel through a refining process. Tribulation's coming for them. Time of Jacob's trouble. They're going to go through that, what, a refining process. Why, God will not allow them to stay where they are right now. Just as God does this with Israel, He does it with you and I. He does it in our life today. Watch, the goal is that we walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. Right? He said, right, isn't that what He said? This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the deeds of the flesh. So God's, God, God works a refining process on us to remove the impurities and make us more valuable to Him. That's what He does. Are we all good there? Okay. That means I can go on and I don't have to start over. So listen to what Solomon rightly says. A good name is better than precious ointment. The house of mourning is better than the house of feasting. Sorrow is better than laughter. Rebuke is better, better than a song. The end... Hmm? The end is better than the beginning. A patient spirit is better than a proud spirit. Better, 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 better. Do you know why mourning and sorrow and rebuke and oppression and death, do you know why they're better? Because this is the process of refining that God uses in our life to purge out what doesn't need to be there and get out our greatest potential value for Him. Yeah. Not what the world would think, would it? The world says, oh, oh, hey, no, 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 get the best of this and get the best of that and, and uh, you know, you know run, run, from, run from death and run from, uh, from sorrow and run from rebuke and, and try to do everything possible to make your life as wonderful and happy as possible. You know, you, you know the, 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 the false prophets are out there, you know, live your best life now. Do you realize in God's economy, sometimes our best life now includes... It includes uh, sorrow and rebuke and death and things uh, and, and patience and things such as that way and oppression. Yeah. Totally opposite of what the world says. 
God says, listen, this is the process of refining. This is why Solomon, through the inspiration of the Spirit of God, could say that these things are better. They're better. A patient spirit. A patient spirit? Why is a patient spirit better? (laughs) Because a patient spirit will endure the process. Do you know sometimes God begins a process of crushing us and some will run away. Some will get out of church. Some will say, oh, you know, that's that's just too hard. You know, some of the most joyful people are those that have been so crushed by God. You can see it in their life. Remember Charles Eliot talking about, about those that, that uh, you know, their life is just, the, the, the essence of their life is, he says, when you crush a rose and the essence that comes off of the rose when it's crushed. He said some people's life just have that essence of being crushed. It smells, it's a beautiful smelling life. Yeah. It's better. It, it's better. Death. Why is death better? Why is death better than the day of birth? Why is death better than life? Because yeah. it's the ultimate goal. Not the death you're thinking of. Oh yeah, there's a physical death that, uh, you know, precious on the side of the Lord is the death of his saints. I mean, hey, the, the God, we, we are, we are uh, uh, li- living in the, the stage of we're not yet birthed into eternity. I mean, this is, God has been waiting for the day that we are with him uh, completely and totally, right? Uh, but that's not the death we're looking at here. If you remember at the beginning, I told you we'd look at this just a little bit closer. Verse 1 is not necessarily speaking of the despair of death. Remember, Solomon's talking about things that are better. So why is death better than birth? John chapter 12, 23 and 24. Jesus speaking, he answered them, he said, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. It abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Did you hear what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 31? He said, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. I die daily. But Paul will say in Galatians 2, 20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Death. Death is the ultimate end of the refining process. It's the last thing that we think we want. You say, wow, what a, what a, what a wonderful message tonight. I feel great. <laughs> yeah. it's the old, listen, it's the final end of the refining process. And when death comes to the will and to the desires of a child of God, Christ can live through us, watch, and our value becomes what God intended it to be. Jesus Christ. Life seemed difficult lately? Has it seemed like you've been living far too long in the house of mourning, in the house of sorrow, in the house of oppression? Do Do you notice this? Laughter and feasting and song is not a part of the refining process. 
Sometimes it can be a mask to distract from the work that God is doing. I mean, I mean, look at the world. The world is laughing and feasting their way to hell tonight. I mean, everything, I mean, you, comedy this and happy this and drink this and do that. And I mean, just numb yourself from the reality of the world. Numb yourself from the reality uh, uh, of an eternity that, you, that you, you may possibly spend separate from God if you don't, if you don't repent and trust in Christ. Yeah. But if you're going through trials tonight that you can't explain, let me tell you tonight, it very well could be part of God's refining process. Like the precious ointment. So you can have a good name and bring great glory to God. Yeah. If God has brought you to a place of sorrow tonight and mourning and a place of rebuke, maybe, maybe a point that it seems like the end. Can I, can I, can I tell you this tonight? Stay there. Stay there until God moves you. So often, we, when the heartache comes, we want to just try to quickly figure out how to get out of it. How to get out of it. I was talking to Brother Jack about mourning. And I said, don't, don't pull away from that too fast. Stay there. I think many times as Americans, we don't know how to mourn properly. Right? It's quite, quite a... Uh, quite a quandary we live in as Christians, isn't it? <laughs> right? Somebody passes away and, and we rejoice and we're sad at the same time. And the world doesn't understand that. But there is a time. There is a time for that. Stay there. Why? Because God's refining you. Don't be looking for an out so quickly. Yeah. Remember Paul said, I prayed three times. Three times for the, for the thorn in his flesh. Three times I besought the Lord. And he said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Right. You know, Paul came away from there th saying, more, glory, more gladly will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. He said, okay, if this is how the power of God comes on me, I'll stay right here. Yeah. God is leading us to a place of death so Christ can reign and when Christ is able to fully reign in our life as he desires, we'll have a good name. And it'll be better than anything else. <laughs> Amen. Where's God brought you tonight? You've been in a place of valley? You've been in a valley? You've been in a place of sorrow and mourning? Yeah. Instead of running from it, maybe tonight you need to get alone with the Lord and say, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? I want to learn it. I want to learn it. Tell me, what is it? Yeah. He does it on purpose. He absolutely does. Because he wants you, hey, he, he wants all of the value that he knows you have. He wants that out and available to the world, to the world to be able to, to be able to, uh, to be able to glean from in the gospel. Well, Father, thank you tonight. Thank you for sorrow. Thank you for mourning. Thank you for a place of rebuke. Thank you when you bring us to places that seem like an end. Thank you for that. Makes no sense. I know it doesn't on the human level. But we understand it. And Lord, maybe there's somebody here going tonight through some deep valleys that nobody even knows about. 
and they've been trying everything possible to get away from it. Lord, maybe tonight they could get alone with you and just ask you, what do I need to learn tonight? What are you trying to show me? Maybe they could get just uh, confident tonight and just de- determine just to stay where they are until you finish your perfect work in their life. We thank you for this tonight. We thank you for that refining process. We thank you that you love us enough to do this. And Lord, we trust you tonight and whatever you do. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we stand tonight and the instrument's going to play. I don't know how the Lord has spoken to you. People are praying and the invitation is open. You can kneel down right where you are. The altar is open, however. Whatever the Lord has spoken to you tonight, you're going through some valleys, going through a place of mourning and sorrow, going through a place of oppression. It could be that God is refining you because He loves you. He absolutely loves you. Would you allow Him to do that? Praise the Lord. All right. We'll be dismissed in a word of prayer tonight and get around and tell everybody hello or goodbye. Whatever, one of those. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, of course, Wednesday we'll be here at uh, 7 o'clock. Uh, and let our guests know tonight this is the normal time we get out, 10 minutes till 7. We always get out this early. So, <laughs> all right. So we don't. Anyway. Don't let this is a weird. I don't even know what to do. We got 10 minutes. Who wants to have sword drills? No. Just. <laughs>